thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Psalm 119, verse 57. Psalm 119, verse 57. Well, I encourage you to turn with me this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screens. It'll also be uh, on the front of your worship guide, so you can follow with us as we read through the text uh, together today. I'm grateful to God for the message in those songs today. I've always um, told y'all that uh, life's two greatest questions is will I be loved and am I enough? And I'm thankful that we've found that to be true in these songs today. We are loved. We're grateful for that. And we've been called to give all of our life and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, verse 57. If you found your place physically able, stand with me. We read the word of God together. And notice what the psalmist says to us today. Psalm 119, verse 57. Here's what the word of God says. He says, You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about your ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O oh Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your blessing be added to the reading of your word today. I pray, Father, you'd speak mightily to our hearts through it. I pray that we would open our hearts and minds to receive your word. May we leave here changed today as a result of being under the proclamation of the gospel. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of a roadmap to personal revival. And at Christmas, what better time as we celebrate the birth of our Lord for us to look into the Word of God and see how we can be more like Him. You know, it is the will of God, according to Romans chapter 8, that all of God's children would be conformed to the image of His dear Son. It's also very important for us to understand that and that it is the will and the purpose of the church that we would disciple people to be presented fully mature before the Lord when we stand before Him in judgment and even as we serve Him in this world. But you know, difficult times come to every nation. Uh, difficult times come to every family. They come to every church. There's difficulties are coming. And when difficulties come, God's people are not immune to the pain and agony that comes along with those difficulties. They often bring discouragement and sometimes even despair. And when that happens, it causes people to look for direction for their journey as they seek ultimate relief for pain. I told them in the early service, I'm finding out the older I get that things hurt that didn't used to hurt. And things, when they hurt, they hurt longer than they used to. And uh, if you fall down, it, it takes longer to get over it <laughs> than it used to. And 
we know what it means as we get older to experience pain. And I was telling my daughter the other day, I told Brooke, I said, my shoulders hurt. I feel like I'm, somebody's driving a 20-penny nail into my shoulder socket, you know. And, and, you know, her being the medical professional that she's training to be, she says, that's just because you're getting older, Daddy. Saying, I said, thank you. I thought you might have something better than that. But uh, nevertheless, um, we know what it's like for relief. I told them earlier that I have learned the value that, of what ibuprofen and anti-inflammatory medication helps with the pain. But see, we have a choice. When we experience pain in our lives as far as around us, we have a choice of where to look for help. And if we're not careful, we can tend to lean toward choosing worldly methods of coping instead of seeking God's purpose for the pain. I do believe that whenever there's pain, there's purpose. And, and for God's people, that is always true. You see, the entire 119th Psalm, as we read through its 176 verses, it, we find that the psalmist is uh, constantly reflecting reflecting on his life, reflecting on what's going on in, in the past to make a difference in the future. But in this stanza of eight verses in the 119th Psalm, he reflects, and when he does so, he recognizes his own personal standing before the Lord. Today, as we walk through this text, I want you to know these verses are very personal. They're a personal word from God to you to help you uh, understand where you are with God. The psalmist recognizes something in his life that he doesn't like. He recognizes that he's drifted. He's not walking according to the word of God. And he has encountered some storms that, uh, and he's realizing their purpose for his life. We realize that storms do come. Adrian Rogers used to say you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're headed towards your next storm. Uh, he also taught me years back through his writings and ministry that God allows or ordains two types of storms to come to the lives of his children. Uh, he reminds me of that because nothing in this world happens unless a sovereign and holy God either ordains it to happen or allows it to happen. When you and I encounter storms, they will either be ordained of God or allowed by God. This storm that we're in right now that we're calling the COVID-19 pandemic, I believe, you know, the future days will reveal that this storm has probably a dual purpose in the lives of God's people in this nation and around the world. The two types of storms that come into our life that we're very familiar with the first, and that is that of a correcting storm. A storm that comes into our life, either ordained or allowed by God, to correct our sinful behavior. We know what that's like as far as discipline uh, coming up as a child. Children don't come into this world knowing how to behave. They have to be taught how to behave. They come into this world and they're sinners and they have a sin nature and very early in their life they reveal that nature. Amen, mom and dad? They do and when they do, you don't have to teach the child to tell a lie. You don't have to teach them how to be stingy. 
You have to teach them how to tell the truth and how to share, right? Those are things that are very important. So the discipline that is handed down to children by parents is not because a parent hates that child, but because they love that child. And that discipline is meant to correct improper behavior. In the lives of God's children, when we stray from the perfect will of God, God may either ordain or allow a storm to enter our life for the purpose of correcting our sinful behavior, to discipline us and bring us back into His perfect will, into alignment with His Word. He has said in the book of the Revelation, speaking of the church and His children, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He teaches us in the book of Hebrews that if we do not receive chastisement for our behavior, it is not joyous but grievous. Because if over an extended period of time there is no chastisement for that sinful behavior, it could reveal that we were not his child in the first place. Amen? That, that's something I think a lot of people misunderstand. They th I've had people say, well, if God was going to punish me for my sin, he would have already done it by now. <clears throat> Be careful because he doesn't work on our timetable. He works on his so that being true, he does allow a storm like this. But he also allows another type of storm in our life. <coughs> it's not the correcting storm, but the perfecting storm. There are times that God either ordains or allows a storm to come into our life. It's not because we have broken his law or broken his word or, or, or even done anything outside of what he has called us to do. We may be in perfect step with him, and still experience a storm. <laughs> you see, some people can't understand that. They think if something's wrong, they must have done something wrong. Now, if you remember when Jesus was with his disciples at one time, he told them, he said, let us get in this boat and pass over to the other side. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, but it did not keep the storm from coming their way. Mark chapter 4, Jesus showing his humanity went down into the bottom of the boat and took a nap. <clears throat> he was tired. Because he was tired, that showed his humanity. But yet when he was asleep and the storm came up, <clears throat> the sailors began to panic. And they went down and said, Master, don't you even care that we're about to die? Then he walked up on the bow of the boat, demonstrated his deity when he spoke to the wind and the waves, and he said, Peace be still. The sailors looked around and said, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey his voice? <coughs> right there, they had experienced a perfecting storm. One that would turn their eyes away from their circumstances and get them on the Savior. See, the psalmist recognizes his need for personal revival in this text. And the text takes us on his journey of how he resolves to live by God's word and how he pleads with his whole heart for the mercy of God to be on his life. The psalmist went on a journey of his own personal revival. Today, if I ask you to vote, and all Baptists like to vote, 
If I said, we're going to take a vote today and see if the majority of those in attendance today would agree that America needs a national revival, I believe we'd probably have 100%. I would hope so. But I want you to know today what we learned from the psalmist is that national revival is possible, but I want you to know it will never be a possibility or a reality without personal revival in your life and mine, which will translate into church revival that can spread to communities, states, nations, and even the world. Yes, there have been great awakenings in this country. We read about them in history. And ladies and gentlemen, if there ever needs to be an awakening, it's now. If we're waiting on God to show us for some way or how, why we need an awakening, I'm telling you, he is speaking loud and clear to this nation, come back to me. So with that in mind, I want to walk through the text with you for just a little bit this morning. And I want us to notice some things. Pitch it right here, Hoss. Amen. Look, you don't believe this. I can still catch. Look here. My glasses, I can see it right in there. Looked it all the way in, tucked it away. Right. I mean, I still got it, right? <laughs> Roll tight. <laughs> mm. Now y'all right now. I'll talk to y'all about that in a minute, all right? Let's move on. The first thing he talks to us about is remembrance of God's favor. Now, here's what he does in verse 57 and 58. Notice what he said right there in verse 57. He, he said, you are my portion, O Lord. See, whenever we drift from the place of obedience, there are some blessings from our past that can remind us of the joy that came into our life in the past, that can come into our life in the presence, that will continue to be a blessing in the future when we allow God to be the center of everything we do. And he is literally the center of our lives. Here's how the psalmist noticed that. The first thing he talked about was his source. He said, Lord, you're my portion. He was recognizing that all he has comes from God. He realizes that God is his source and he is his spiritual inheritance. Now think about these things for a minute when he realizes these things. When he said, you are my portion, I will keep your words. I like something John Phillips said about that. He said, when you read this statement and this phrase, you're reading the genius of the Bible. He said, the person always comes before the precept. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus expressed it like this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And here's what John Philip said that really, really speaks to my heart. He says, fall in love with Jesus and it will be easy to do what he says. Amen. Fall in love with Jesus and it will be easy to do what he says. I remember way back in, you know, this 1999, I heard Homer Lindsay say this. He said, guys, he said, the key to this whole thing about leading people and pastoring and shepherding is this. He said, teach the people from the word of God to fall in love with the son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if that happens, it is easy to do what he says. So the psalmist says this. He said, you're my portion. When I think about portions, I think about... Uh, I think about my cereal bowl. Have y'all got a cereal bowl at your house? It's your favorite cereal bowl. Are y'all so spirit? Y'all don't eat cereal? I mean, okay. I mean, you might have favorites. Here's my favorite, Fruity Pebbles. 
and Cheerios. I eat the Cheerios because they're good for my heart. I eat the Fruity Pebbles because they taste good, okay? Let me tell you about my cereal bowl, okay? It is a special bowl. It is my bowl. And you know what? It is a cheap bowl. Uh, my bowl, and I mean, you know, Angie's got some nice bowls, and she's accumulated some things over these years. She's got some nice little bowls, and they look all pretty, but they're too small. All right? Anybody with me? Now, look here. My bowl are these little gray bowls that come from Target. They're 79 cents a piece. I recommend them to you highly. I got about 10 of them. Guess what? But they're kind of flat, but they're wide. They hold a lot of fruity pebbles. Amen? So, I'm telling you, so when I think about those things, I think about my portion. Now, my girls, they get cereal, and they get this little bowl, and they have to fill it up more than once. I just fill mine up one time, and I get the goods. Amen? So hear, hear me. When I think about portion, I think about stuff like that, but you, you say, well, that ain't got nothing to do with it. Well, it, it may, but here's the deal. A portion refers to this, what one lays claim to. In the Old Testament, when they were marching toward the promised land, when they were marching toward that conquest, they knew that when they got to the promised land, that each tribe was going to be given a portion of the inheritance. But there was one tribe, if you'll remember way back from the... Uh, Something's flashing up there. When you got ADD, you can't flash stuff. I'm telling you, yeah, we're good. Woo, we're I'm thinking, man, I'm at a concert. Anyhow, so here's... <laughs> In the Old Testament tabernacle, when it was constructed... Each of the 12 tribes of Israel were gathered around the perimeter. Each had a portion of property except one tribe. Eleven had the property, but one tribe was the Levites. Now, the Levites were the priests. They were the preachers. They were the ones that took care of the work of the tabernacle. They had no property or inheritance to claim of their own. Now, this is amazing. Because of that, Here's what God taught them. God taught them that they should not seek an inheritance that was temporary and a piece of dirt. He was teaching them that he himself would be their portion. Oh, this is good for the church today to remember because a lot of folks in this world have a worldly mindset to where all they want to do is see how much of this world's goods they can accumulate. But here's what the Word of God is teaching us through the words of the psalmist. He's our portion. He has something to give us. It is not temporary. It is eternal. And here's what the psalmist is saying. He was thrilled to claim that God was his own. He was his portion. He was his source, but he was also his supply. Notice that in verse 58. He says, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Those are some key words. He says, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. When I think about the words whole heart, it always causes me to remember what Jeremiah said from the Lord in Jeremiah 29, 13. I meet a lot of people who quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I see Jeremiah 29, 11 on postcards. I see it on portraits, on 
framed art and things like that, and it is a wonderful verse. Now, God was telling the people, his people, I've got a plan for you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you a hope. I want to give you a future. But they forget about verse 13 that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And see, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we want the blessings without seeking the blesser. Anybody with me? Sometimes we want God to give us all this good stuff without making the sacrifices necessary to seek Him with our whole heart. He is our source. He is our supply. He remembered God's favor. But notice the second truth with me, if you will. Not only was there remembrance of God's favor, but there was restoration of the fallen. Look at verse 59. He said, I thought about my ways. <laughs> And I turn my feet to your testimonies. You ever fell down before? Sure you have. You, you, you ever skint your knees real good? Sure you have. I can remember skinning my knees on them old dirt roads in Edwardsville on a bicycle. And I can remember as bad as it hurt to skin myself up. And as bad as it hurt, I dreaded going back to the porch and letting my grandmother clean me up. Because they didn't have mercy on you back in them days. They didn't come over here and say, Oh, my precious poor baby, let me look. Oh, come here. Let me make. No, they put you up on the porch and they went and got this plastic brush that had these real hard bristles on it. And they'd see you skin up knees and they'd say, We got to clean it up real good or you're going to get an infection. And they would grab your leg up and just. <laughs> And it felt, it was painful. Y'all didn't ever have that happen. And then once they did that, oh, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to soak this boy down in methylate. <laughs> did anybody ever get mercurochrome? Did you ever plead for mercurochrome? Did you ever say, but here's the deal. Sometimes the label would come off the bottle and you couldn't tell which one it was, but by golly, when they poured it on your skint knee, it didn't take but just a second to figure it out, did it? Oh, that methylate would set you on fire. I see this stuff now they've got for kids. You can spray this on your little boy's skin's knees and it doesn't even sting. You're cheating that kid out of realizing what life's all about. Amen? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm telling you, we know what it's like to fall. We know what it's like to get skin up. But let me say this. In our spiritual lives, notice what the psalmist said. He said, I thought about my ways. You know what he didn't do? He didn't say, I compared myself to that old boy across the church. He didn't say, I compared myself to any other person. He didn't say that I looked at another person's life and thought about what they need to do. He's saying, I'm going to look back on what I did. I, I looked at my life and I needed help. 
Here's what he's saying. When I saw where I was going, when I saw where I was and where I was headed, it brought conviction to my life. There needed to be conversion in my life. There needed to be some repentance in my life. I thought about where I was going, and you know what? When I realized where I was going, I turned my feet. I turned my feet to go do what the testimony of God declared me to do. Oh, listen to me here, right here this morning on December the 20th, 2020, 12, 20, 2020, right here in Heffern, Alabama. If you'll hear me, this will help you. Today, you need to consider where you are with God, where you've been, where you are, and where you're headed, and you need to consider what God wants to do with you, not anybody else, and when God moves upon your heart to return to him through repentance, you need to turn your heart, your feet toward him. God help us. There wasn't just conversion, there was compulsion. Look at verse 60. I made haste. You know what he's saying? I didn't waste any time. I did not delay because I had to keep your commandments. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. If you've fallen and skint yourself up, if the world has brought difficulty and even damage to your life or your testimony, hear me. There is restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness. There is grace. There is mercy. There is help, hope, and healing in the name of Jesus. Just come home to Jesus, but you can't come home your way. you got to come home his way. That's through repentance. Here's what repentance is. That word turn, that's what repentance means. It means to turn. It means to change directions. Wherever you're headed, you need to change directions, but not because of what you can do, but what God wants to do through you. Y'all have one of those little things. Maybe it's on your phone now. I remember years ago when folks started getting these GPS systems, Tom-Toms, Garmin's or whatever. If you had one like we had one time, I had to turn it off because I got tired of hearing it. I got lost so many times and missed so many turns. I thought, I know I'm lost. I know I missed a turn. Please make a U-turn in 300 feet. You didn't make a U-turn in 300 feet, so now you must make one in 600 feet. Listen, and there were times I would go, Lord, I just wish, and here's what we do with God. When God the Holy Ghost brings conviction to our souls, we just want to turn him off. But let me help you. If you really belong to Jesus, you can't turn him off. He's going to keep speaking and speaking and speaking and drawing you to repentance. Oh, hear the voice of God and come home to Jesus today. Restoration of the fallen. Here's something else the psalmist teaches us on this roadmap to personal revival is that there is rescue of the faithful. Look at verse 61. He said, The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I've not forgotten your law. It reminds me of what happened with Jonah. Remember when Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the great fish or whatever you call it? At one point he said, The seaweed was. I don't know about y'all, but I like breathing. Anybody else like breathing? I, I do it a lot of times a day. I mean, really. And I'm thankful. That I learned this from anatomy, that we have involuntary bodily functions, such as breathing. We don't have to think, hey, I might ought to take a breath now. I'm turning blue. We don't have to 
prime our heart and, you know, crank it up. It, it does that on its own. Thank God it does, because when it quits, that's bad, right? Oh, but hear me. I like breathing and I like living and I like all this stuff and, and, and here's what I know whenever and, and I don't know if you've had I had pneumonia one time and I know some people have struggled I've talked with it said COVID and different the complications from that that you know what many of them have told me the scariest part was when I had trouble breathing we like that brings distress to us when we don't well spiritually Here's what we learn from the psalmist. He said, the cords of the wicked were around my neck. He said, the cords of the wickedness of this world was choking the life out of me. But how did he respond? He said, I've not forgotten your word. Here's what he's saying. When the cords of the wicked choked the life out of me, instead of pushing me away from you, it drew me to you, Lord. How often do we see that happen in our world today? Right now, especially in the middle of all we're dealing with, uh, people who need to be coming to God and need to be getting more dedicated to God and need to be selling out to Jesus and giving 110% of their heart, life, and energy uh, to the Lord now, now are just drifting further and further away because we're so bombarded with negativity. I don't know about y'all. I, I like to do my best to leave a positive influence on people. Really do. The other day I was working, cleaning up some trees and stuff I had to, uh, that were dead and I had to get a few cut down to clean them up. And so I'd gone back into the shop to get some uh, more uh, bar and chain oil from a power saw and all that kind of stuff. And about that time the FedEx man pulled up. I told y'all last week we've been seeing him quite regularly during this uh, Christmas time and all the online. My girls have doing this online stuff and I guess that's I just keep thinking all these boxes you think maybe there's something in there for me <laughs> no, yeah, it doesn't matter to me at all I'm just cutting up I'll ask them they'll be like you can't look at that no don't look at that I'll be like, I've already looked at it but anyhow they, uh, <clears throat> so so my FedEx man comes over there and in my shop I've got a box and there had some older devotionals from the past few years and I said Lord Lord, just, you ever feel the Lord just give you an elbow in the ribs y'all don't you should it really feels good it don't hurt does that help you and I felt the Lord nudge me he said hey get one of them books and go give it to the FedEx man okay so I go up to the FedEx man I said hey man I said I'll tell you I appreciate you guys man y'all done a great job and y'all delivering on time I said we ordered some stuff that's coming through the postal service it's, um, it's been in Chattanooga since November 22nd <laughs> I said, man, but y'all, we, we ain't missed anything from y'all. Y'all doing a good job. Appreciate y'all. I said, hey, is it okay if I give you a gift? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He thought I was going like, to hand him a bomb or something. It's going like, to blow up. And I said, no, I said, I got this book I want to give you. Uh, it's a devotion book. And it's, you know, it's got scripture in it from the Bible, you know, and some encouraging words each day. And I hope you'll take it and maybe use it. Here. Here's what he said to me. Stop me dead in my tracks. He said, this is exactly what I need. I didn't know that. But he knew it. God knew it. And I didn't do anything other than just say, God, just put me in your hand and just put me where you want me. Use me. Just plug me in, God. And right there in the middle of my driveway, I'm like, right there's Rodney, my FedEx man. And I, and 
man, it was amazing. He said, this is exactly what I've needed. Wow! Isn't that amazing how God can use people like me and you who have no idea what he's fixing to do through us, no idea whose life we're fixing to speak into, and he uses us anyway. I'm so glad to belong to him. Amen? And so the next day, uh, another guy came up. I got him too. How you doing, buddy? Merry Christmas. And then five minutes after that, Rodney came back. I said, hey, your buddy just left. I said, I was, he said, well, he's express. I'm ground. I said, oh, okay. I didn't realize there was a difference. I thought. And I said, uh, Rodney, man, I'm glad you're back. I said, hey, he said, hey, I read, I read something last night. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. We're here to plant seeds. And we're here to water seeds. And we're here to trust God to give the increase from the seed. God is good. When there's a rescue for the faithful, listen, he talks about dedication and distress that I just read. He said, listen, I, I'm, I'm in distress, but I'm faithful. But he also talks about divine devotion. Look at verse 62. At midnight I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Thing about midnight last night, I told him earlier, I wish we had played at three yesterday and Clemson would have played at seven. Something got mixed up. Because if we would have played at three and the game was over at seven, I would have wound down by bedtime. But when the game comes on at seven and it's, you know, CBS, they have a commercial every time somebody gets a hangnail. Y'all figured that out? I'm like, play the game. No, but they got to pay for the stuff. I get that. That's how they pay for it. I understand all that. I, but I'm like, come on, let's just play the game. Anyhow. So, Kroger, watch it. So it's 11 o'clock, you know, and you got to watch the trophy presentation. <laughs> we don't win trophies and go turn it off. I mean, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I get used to being a champion. why I'm not one of those fans. But anyhow, I, I'm just, so I'm watching, and 11 o'clock, man, I'm revved up. I feel like I just played. Did y'all feel like y'all just played? I mean, you know, I told them I was on my hands and my knees. I done gave up my almonds and my chewing gum, and everybody, I done promised God all kinds of stuff. Please don't let the Gators score again. <sighs> I know you like Tim Tebow, God, and he's one of your children. I understand that, but he'll be all right tonight. He's got a good job. He'll talk about the team later. Don't let him score. Anyhow, hard to go to sleep at midnight when you're revved up. Amen. Now, look here. Saturday night's hard for me, anyhow, because it ain't about that kind of stuff, because that's temporary. I mean, I enjoy it, and it's okay to enjoy stuff, okay? My daughter killed a deer this week. Did y'all know that? She'd never shot at a deer in her life, and she's the first deer she ever shot at, she killed it. She got more patience than me. I couldn't. I've been thinking about it. But she likes that. I don't like it. But here's the I like this stuff. I enjoy it. But it's so temporary. It's over with. It's going to something else. But I mean, when you get and at midnight sometimes in the midst of it all, here's what the psalmist said. In the middle of everything, even in the darkest hours, he says, I'm still going to give you thanks. I'm going to be devoted to you regardless of what's going on. And then notice when we finally a return to fellowship. Look here, here's his journey. He began remembering God's favor. He, under, he, he, he experienced restoration of his fallen state 
he experienced a rescue of, the, uh, uh, of his faithfulness to God and now he's returning into full fellowship notice verse 63 I am a companion of all who fear you <coughs> because of your righteous judgments he talks about a distinct relationship let's talk about relationships for a minute I have heard this phrase over and over throughout this pandemic situation I've heard it from a lot of pastors. They'll say, Brent, you and I know that we are built for relationships. We are built to interact. Now, some people are more introverted than others, some more extroverted than others. Some people were practicing social distancing when social distancing wasn't cool. <laughs> I mean, and even though I'm a people person, I'm in the people business, and I am an extroverted person, I enjoy times of a little bit of solitude. I really do. I mean, this yesterday, me and Mo worked from sun up sundown. I mean, to the ball games, we were to dark. We weren't, and we we cut limbs, hauled leaves, we burned stumps. We just had a big time. I had, a, I mean, that's fun to me. I enjoy that. I know some of you say, if it's so fun, come on and get all my limbs. Well. It ain't that fun, but anyhow. <laughs> but I do enjoy it. So, but relationships are what we're, we're built to interact. We're not built. It's hard to experience close relationship through Zoom calls and FaceTimes and all this kind of stuff. It really is. But our society has kind of got into that more and more. But here's what the psalmist said. He said, "I'm a companion to all who fear you, not just because of them, but because of you." Now think about this. I told him earlier, I believe this. I believe God likes football. I believe he's a great fan of football. And I believe in heaven there will be illustrations. Everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding about that. But here's the, I saw something last night. that really, I thought about this. I had this open right here uh, on my uh, nightstand thinking about the message today. And I saw it displayed for me in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, our All-American center gets hurt. They don't look good. I mean, the anchor of probably one of the most awesome offensive lines in the history of college football is down on his back. One of his teammates is weeping. And when they loaded him on the cart, did you see how his teammates responded? Did anybody see that? I, I mean, I sense that. I mean, you got to look for God to teach you stuff everywhere. And I was thinking, I would just been thinking about this, or, or, and I had it right on my side. I thought, relationship. Look here, not only was relationship, you could tell he was a leader, Dickerson's a leader. And not only that, his teammates love him. They respect him. And they were sure they didn't care. There were people trying to push him back. And they were like, no, 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 no. Nothing's going to stop me from encouraging my teammate because he went down. And listen here, we are still one. And, and we respect him and we love him and we don't care if the world sees it. You know what I thought about while that was going on? Ain't that the way the church is supposed to be? That we're supposed to be that kind of people that's encouraging one another, that's lifting one another up, that's praying for one another. That letting each other know that they matter and that they're loved and there's nothing they can do about it. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we need in the body of Christ today is that kind of love.
love, respect, and encouragement. We need it so bad. But yet in our churches today, all we do is compare ourselves to each other. We look down on other people. We throw rocks instead of ropes. And we wonder why God doesn't bless our church and our nation. I'll tell you why. It's because of that. A lack of respect and love and encouragement and honor for one another. It's a shame, but it's happening all around us. People always do this. Lord, I may not be the best, but I'm not as bad as, and then they fill in the blank. Fill in the blank, huh? I'm doing better than old. And they fill in the blank. Here's the deal. If you are comparing yourself to the spiritual level and commitment and surrender of other people, then you are comparing yourself to an inadequate comparison. <laughs> Why? Because the only, only measure of righteousness that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ, and none of us, none of us are even close to his level. He's who we measure ourselves against. And then notice verse 64. He says, The earth, O Lord, is full of mercy. Teach me your statutes. Here's what he does. He ends with this. He makes a direct request. He's saying, Lord, the earth is full of your mercy because of who you are. Now, Lord, let me and all who fear you be faithful to go show that same mercy to the world around us. Teach me your statutes. Lord, impound it into my heart and soul what your word teaches. And it teaches us about mercy. You've heard it said before. Something bad happens to somebody, and somebody says, Well, I guess it's bound to happen. They got what was coming to them. <laughs> I'd be very scared to make a statement like that because here's what I know if I got what was coming to me, I would never experience the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Did you know what was coming to me? By virtue of the fact that I'm a sinner by virtue of the fact that I am not perfect, by virtue of the fact that I have missed the mark and not made perfect righteousness before God, what was coming to me was eternity separated from God in a literal place called hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith his great love he has loved us. But God, that's the whole difference. See, when he got in the equation, he said, yes, that old boy deserves hell. Yes, he is a sinner, just like every person under the sun, but I'm going to let my son die in his place. And I am going to show him and the world the greatest demonstration of mercy that has ever been displayed. We're singing about it. We're worshiping about it. We're celebrating it this Christmas. And because of what he did, listen, this is the best news I can tell you. Because of what Jesus did, I'm not going to get what was coming to me. Hey, hey, let me help you. Because of what Jesus did, you don't have to get what's coming to you. Because he took it on his shoulders at the cross. And he took what was coming to you and he took all the pain and agony on him 
And God allowed that to happen because he loves you. Isn't that amazing? You say, preacher, I've heard that all my life. Good. I hope you keep hearing it. But I hope you do something else. I hope you share it. We need national revival, we'd all agree. We need a great awakening in this country. We don't need to look to Capitol Hill. We don't need to look to the White House, Congress. We don't need to look for stimulus bills. We don't need to look for new legislation to change what is happening in our world. We need a mighty movement of the power of the Spirit of God on this nation. But hear me. We can't expect it to happen on a national level if we've not experienced it on a personal level. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. I'm sure you have lots of plans. I bet a lot of your plans have been changed dramatically from your normal Christmas routine. But at this Christmas, I'm going to ask you to do what a wise preacher told me a long time ago to do. He said, Brian, if you're going to help lead people to love me and serve me, this is, what's, this is what the Lord put in my heart. The pastor told me, he said, if you're going to lead people to love and serve God, then you're going to have to draw a circle around your feet. He said, make it big enough that you can get down on your knees in that circle and you make sure that old boy in that circle's right with God, and then you can help other people get right with God. So at this Christmas, here's what I want to ask you to do. Just figuratively draw a circle around your feet. Don't look across the aisle. Don't look to the back or the front. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. And say, God, I'm going to do like the psalmist. I'm going to consider my way. And I'm going to look where I've been. I'm going to ask you to evaluate me where I am to prepare me for where you're leading me. And help me get the person in this circle right with you so that I might have a personal revival this Christmas. And then I can help others. And we might experience revival Father, in Jesus' name, oh, how I love you, and oh, how I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy. Father, right now, I pray for this group of people that I've been privileged to stand before. I pray, Father, that they'll take to heart what your word has taught us today. And I pray, Father, they will allow the Holy Spirit of God to investigate their heart and life. God, as I have asked you to do in my heart and life so I could love them more deeply, I could care for them more sincerely, and God, I could be more faithful to you and your cause for this world. Father, I pray that we would all experience some personal revival this Christmas. God, that it would 
affect and infect the people closest to us. And God, that that might spread across this congregation and it might spread into this community beyond these walls. And God, that it might affect things around us on a scale larger than we ever thought. God, we need an awakening in this country today. We need an awakening like we've never experienced. And God, I pray that it would start with people just like us who just trust you and love you enough to believe that you mean what you say. And God, we're going to give you praise right now for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, a couple of things I want to mention to you today. Um, first thing I want to say to you is, is I'm grateful for your kind attention, and I trust that... Um, the Spirit of God and the Word of God has spoken to all of us today because I promise you, He is really, really challenging my heart, probably like no other time ever. I just really believe God is going to do something great. I really do. I really believe He's going to do something awesome because we've gone through too much pain for there not to be some real purpose behind it. Um, anyhow, so several things. I want you to use this tear-off section of your... Um, your worship guide for several reasons. One, through this time, we want to keep prayer requests in front of you. If you want us to add your prayer requests to our War Room prayer board, if you have praise reports, please note those on the card. You can drop it in either of the offering buckets that you'll pass on the way out. Uh, if you have uh, any uh, questions you might have, decisions you need to make, there's a place for you to check appropriate box for that. Any ministry you're concerned about, if you're our guest, please fill that out so we can have a record of your visit. And just drop it in the offering buckets when you go out either exit today. That means so much to us because if you have decisions you need to make about your spiritual life and about your, if you're a Christian even, as a, your walk with God that we can help you with, we want to be aware of that. And it's really hard sometimes in the uh, climate that we're in. So use those cards for that. And I do hope all of you are making plans to be a part of the Christmas musical either at 5 or 6.30 this evening. These guys have worked real hard and they pulled double duty and I'm, I'm just very grateful for them. And I know you being here would be a great encouragement to those that's worked so hard to make this happen this year, okay? Don't forget those things. And like I told you, we just have a few cases of books left if you want to get those Christmas gifts. I know some of your family members, and they, they need the Word of God. Amen. Uh, just kidding. Just seeing y'all listening. Because you know what? My family does too, and I made sure they got one. <laughs> I promise you that. But hey, um, just know this. Um, this Christmas is different than any we've ever had. But regardless of what it's caused us to have to change, um, God's still God. Jesus is still Lord. And let's don't forget that as we go through this thing. Don't forget that at all. Don't forget that he loves you. And I hope you never forget that I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it, okay? Let's stand together. Brother Marty, going to sing us out. Marty, you ready to sing tonight? You fired up? All right, well, sing when you're ready, buddy. At the cross, at the cross, we